in a world driven by selfies and social media, where empathy and entrepreneurs are considered contradictory. One podcast has set out to put empathy back in the boardroom by hearing from the best entrepreneurs around the world. Empathize It will hear from the leaders of the digital economy and learn how the soft skills drive their business. This is the Empathize It podcast. Good morning, Katie. How are you? I'm very well, Mordecai. How are you? Great. Thank you so much. Uh, listeners, even though she has an Australian accent, I'm calling her. She's in Greece. Uh, so <laughs> I want, And it's a little stormy there. So even though in Israel it's 85 degrees Fahrenheit, it's a little stormy there. So we would uh, please excuse a little wind or if you hear any uh, things flying around. Um, but p- putting that aside, good morning, Katie. Uh, it's been a while since we spoke. Last time we met was, uh, was at Social Bakers in Prague. And what have you been up to since then? And money, tell us a little about, about yourself. Yeah, so since then I've been quite busy. But look, talking to you now, it, it really does feel like just yesterday that we were hanging out. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so for, for listeners, I work as a PR consultant. As Mordecai mentioned, I'm Australian, but I live in Greece. So I work uh, with clients all around the world in Europe, America, Israel, Australia, uh, anywhere and everywhere. And it's just the wonder of this, you know, the, the day and age we live in, 2018, 2019, 2020, we're going into the ability to work with clients and to, to set up a business where you can work digitally, you can work around the world at any time. Um, it's busy. So I execute and create PR campaigns for a number of industries in a number of markets and it keeps me busy. I'm loving it, loving living in Greece too, despite this storm going on. It's normally hot and sunny and fabulous. (laughs) Okay, awesome. Uh, I remember the last time I saw one of your campaigns was about this really cool product, a smart water bottle. Is that right? Yes, yeah. So this was a lifestyle campaign for a company in Slovenia uh, and we were pushing out the message in the UK and Australian markets, so English-speaking markets. Mm-hmm. And yes, it was all sent on, uh, centred on health and lifestyle and, and a smart water bottle, so smart technology lighting up in this water bottle telling you when you need to stay hydrated based on your personal demographic. So I love, I just love the advancement of smart technology into areas like health and fitness. And my water bottle is set to come in the mail very soon, Mordecai. So I'm very excited to get fit and to get healthy. Oh, wow. And cool. All right. Yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't even know that, I didn't even know that you didn't have the actual product. Yet. I thought you were, had the product and you were just uh, working with it based on your experience with the product, but not even having the product and being able to write such, I mean, I saw the content that you wrote just from my own feed and things like that. And it was Ooh. very impressive. So that was, uh, that was awesome. Well, yeah, so it, it was a startup. So they created funding and um, boosted community support to launch the product. And that's one of the the, the key, uh, I guess, industries that I work with in is startups. And it keeps me uh, stirred in creativity and innovation because yeah, I, there are different ideas going on in the world. Yeah, I think it's I think one, it's one of the one of the great things about working with startups and entrepreneurs is that they have such a creative mindset that you mm. feel nothing but a need to stay on, like stay at, at their speed, even though you want to kind of slow down and just get a chance to really get deep into something. They're just moving at such a fast pace that you have to. You're forcing yourself to stay ahead, uh, and I think it's great. I love their I love the drive of working with startups and entrepreneurs and big you know big people who are looking to change and I don't want to say disrupt but change things and make things better and improve things. I love it. Um, so when you when you work with these companies, you know you're working with people who are locally, whether they're in Australia or in Greece, and companies that you're familiar with, and you can speak to them face to face. You obviously have an opportunity to really get to know them in a in a unique way because there's that face to face. But how do you break down the working with clients who are maybe like this one in Slovenia or any other company that you work with? That you work, how do you break it down to get to that point where you can really find that nice message that's really comfortable for you to start? working on uh on in terms of a, a pr effort yeah and that's what i love about having founded a consultancy company because it allows me to work one-on-one with clients mm-hmm. one 
the clients that I believe in and two, that I have the time and the effort to really create a tailored campaign for them, getting to know their services, getting to know their message and not just applying a one-size-fits-all. So mm-hmm. I would have a lot of conversations with the client. I do a lot of research into the product, the message, the server offering, all their KPIs around their, their media and the PR that they would like to achieve. Um, you know, I feel in a lot of cases, whether it's a big agency working internationally or different firms, just in my experience, having been in this industry for over a decade, sometimes it can be that one size fits all, you know, and people just say, this is a stock standard template for a PR campaign. Let's, let's do it and execute it. Um, but I think the most important thing for me is being able to sit down with the client, really connect with them. As you say, it may be face-to-face or mm-hmm. uh, through technology to know what their aims are and then to execute specifically for what they want. So I, I do. I take a lot of time to get to know people, to connect to them, to know the product and service. And as I said, I think that that is one of the freeing things about having a small business and, and working as a consultant because you get to, to pick and choose in a sense. Mm-hmm. You also get to give that tailored time and then a tailored campaign and tailored work back to people. And so uh, I particularly enjoy it because it's not like I'm, you know, it's working on such a uh, big scope or necessarily executing at such a high level, but -hmm. you're able to really drill it down. And I think too that that's what companies are now expecting and they're starting to see more results working with people like that, which is really promising for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to, working with such a tailored audience from startups and entrepreneurs and things like that. And we also work with NGOs, which is sometimes PR agencies. There's usually PR consultants and even our, you know, in the digital sphere, people usually kind of say, I'm going to focus on NGOs, nonprofits in that sector, even though they are, the similarities are very, they overlap between the NGOs and startups. I always say that they're very much the same thing. One is trying to make money to drive their business forward and one is trying to make money to drive their mission forward. But at the same, at the end of the day, they're both bootstrapped. They both have a mission. They both look at, they're both hungry to make, you know, make a product or make a a mission forward. I'll tell you an interesting story about how I got started later on. But when you, um, my question is, I guess when you, when you work with these clients and you, you get to pick and choose, which is really, one of my one of my favorite things is you get to choose who you work with and you got to you pick like you said with this client even though I'm sure you have so many other clients but I'm going to use the one that we the smart water bottle because the health yeah, yeah. it's lifestyle it probably can fall into unto un, under you know some sort of med tech and maybe some even for, it's good for people who are traveling and things like that when you when you when you're breaking down their campaigns to get to know them a little bit are there certain things that beyond like the traditional just yes we'll do so we'll get some uh, we'll get some coverage here in this article and this how do you get down to know to really understand uh, their messaging? Are there any keys or tips that you would recommend to people to say, is, these are what we're really looking to do. Before we start you know, getting the stories, we need to understand certain core concepts about the product, mm. about, about the mission. Yes, and actually it sounds really simple, but I ask my clients to send me and it overwhelms them sometimes or surprises them is a better word. I say send me everything, as much information as you can, more information than you think would be relevant to me. So I want to know about everything to do with the company, not just the specific product and service, but their history, any background documents they can get me, literally any information that Mm -hmm. they're able to share with me um, that relates to the business because it helps me to position the company and position the message and really reflect on the entire story. So not just have a narrow view of this one campaign or this one product, for example, the water bottle, but knowing uh, that this particular company was a startup. So they launched many products before. This was a new and a different offering for them and uh, more of an innovation into the health and lifestyle space. But it gives me context. And I think that's incredibly important that you don't Uh, fasten that process or quickly run through that process to start executing and designing a a PR campaign and a media campaign straight away. But taking that time, whether it's a day or a couple of days, to really focus on the company, to do your research, to look at other competitors in the media or the PR market that you might be up against when you're pushing Mm -hmm. your message into those geographical markets really survey the situation because even if it seems like a piece of content or information isn't overly relevant to the specific campaign, it gives you 
It allows you to have background and just in your framework of creating a PR plan, it gives you the ability just to have that context and understand how to execute it. And that's the best piece of advice that I can give, not to rush through that process, but take the time to know your company and take the time to gather as much information and absorb it as possible. Because as I said, even if you're reading it and you feel like, well, it's not really directly, directly related, it's stored in your subconscious and it definitely makes a difference in the, in the entire execution for that client. Absolutely. And when, so you're, you're looking to really, in some ways, and this is what, one of the advantages of consultancies, and I, I find this to be one of, the, one of the great aspects of working as a consultant as opposed to just working in-house all the time is that you really get to have that fresh perspective, but you also get to do is you really get to go, besides just doing the work, like you said, there's some top-level work that you really get to do, but it's also you really take it into a level that you're really personalizing and you're really becoming one with the company, even though the company is hiring you for a certain project or for a longer, we all want longer term retainers and things like that. Mm-hmm. But we all want, we, there's this, this, this connection, this ability to really get to know the client and get to know the, the ins and outs of the industry, because that really helps you be able to connect with them on a level that's different than just, oh yeah, you know, like you said, you know, just a template kind of service. You really want to get to that level and, you know, I'll call it empathy or getting to know them or, you know, emotionally connect with them because by emotionally connecting with them, like a consultant, like you said, you get to pick and choose. You get to really get to that, you know, identify with them as opposed to just saying is, yeah, I'll take every client. Is there any time that you feel like there are certain clients or certain companies that you say is these guys really get it all the time? I, I can connect with them because their mission is so strong or is it that you find other, every company is, is, is right on target? Uh, it would, well, and like you said, the majority of companies I work with would be startups, entrepreneurs, NGOs, um, but there's a whole range. I mean, I work mm-hmm. in, in a whole bunch of different industries, but because my background, I, I, I think, is more centered on health, medical, lifestyle, entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. media, and PR, I automatically connect. And the vision and the mission for these companies, wherever they are in the world, is not that dissimilar to each other. I mean, there's right. those foundational elements exactly that I connect with straight away um, and I think that that really helps with their trust in the PR process and working with the consultant too and you know I think that it's important for companies not only now do I feel that companies worldwide deserve this type of attention I think that it's utterly important that we give that back to these right. companies in our industry you know I think that there was an age particularly in Australia um, of this cookie cutter approach or a quick approach and quick wins. Even I've, I authored an article recently about the digital age and social media. Uh-huh. Um, where, is that, where is that article? I would love to uh, include so I, it. Yes, uh, it's on all my socials, so LinkedIn and, and on my website, katiecliff.com. But uh-huh. I authored it for a marketing and media website in Australia called Mumbrella. It's uh-huh. the leading uh, industry website. And it talks about is the quick win are the quick wins of social media and digital undermining the value of PR and indeed it shows the emphasis and the need for both but I talk about you know the fact that in both industries we need a foundation we don't just need the quick wins I think companies deserve this type of attention if they're investing money and they're investing their the trust of their brand and their company with you working mm-hmm. in PR media or digital that we should be able to give them back this type of attention and tailored campaigns and that's what I strongly believe in and I challenge the, the PR industry specifically on that because I think that we need to step up and it's it's been too long that mm-hmm. people have neglected that type of attention for their clients. Absolutely. I was going to actually ask you my next question for you on my list of questions for you was going to actually do how, how are you, you know, I'm a digital guy. I'm a marketing guy. I'm a social media kind of guy. So, uh, and that's my approach. And I, I work, I used to, uh, the story I was going to tell you originally was that when I started out working in uh, communications, I worked, my first internship ever was at a, PR firm for a very high level clients working with um, Johnny Walker, Tag Heuer, that kind of level clients. And the person who said, said, if you really want to work in PR and communications, you should start with working with the nonprofit sector because they're really mission driven and they're really focused on a really great story. They know how to tell things, but putting that aside for a second, how would you, I, you know, this question comes up many times. It's kind of been put aside for a little bit, but you said that you challenged the PR the PR industry. So now I'm going to challenge the PR industry a little bit. 
how do you <laughs> how do you identify the distinctions or how do you identify the the separation if there is one between PR and digital PR and social in terms of a an approach in other words there's obviously a traditional approach for PR which is very you know it's press releases it's getting stories out there and then you have the we'll call it the quick faster turnaround kind of digital social kind of approach which is just or influencer marketing and things like that which are a little bit faster turnaround in terms of the the opportunities and the op- the the ability to secure stories how would you kind of separate those two or if, so you, if, are, if there is a separation I'll try, I'll, try, I'll try and give you an a efficient answer because I write a lot about this too um, mm-hmm. in terms of trying to help companies distinguish the difference between the two. And I authored a piece about which do you choose? You know, do you go digital marketing? Do you go traditional PR? Do you need one or the other or both? Mm-hmm. My argument is definitely that in this day and age you need both. I don't think traditional PR, press releases, organic media coverage is dead. I think that's now actually even more important because of the rise of digital advertising and influencers because you need a mix between an organic uh, media approach and articles about a company and your message and your services as well as digital advertising. I think people are becoming much more savvy to what is an ad or -hmm. what is an influencer speaking about a company or service and I think people understand the difference between a good news story or an organic piece reporting about a company and that digital uh, influencer piece. So I talk to my clients about three types of media which are owned, earned and paid Mm -hmm. and in many cases so owned assets would be your own website and your own social media Earned media is all about the media that you earn back from traditional PR pitches, from uh, even social media campaigns that aren't Mm -hmm. paid or Mm -hmm. focus on generating organic media and awareness. And paid media is obviously the the media, so Facebook advertising, digital advertising, influencer investment. And the argument is you need all three types of these media to be working at a high level together. You need your owned assets to be obviously quality, um, people need to be driven back to your social sites and your website and find uh, quality and quantity, good content there, and the ability to convert to sales or convert to the next level if you want people to, to join and support your organisation. You need the earned media because you need your audiences to like, to know and to trust you and not mm-hmm. just feel like you're advertising at them all the time. And then you need the paid media as well, as, as we talked about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you're right. The three different kinds of media have to work at a high level and they have to work together. So maybe it's just redefining what PR traditionally was in terms of, like you said, up until, I don't know, 15 years ago when social was really kind of becoming popular, even though that sounds very 15 years already, maybe sounds too far back. But it was always about earned, paid and owned media that you had. It just wasn't on a digital asset. It was much more in some sort of brand book or whatever you want to call it, a clipping service or whatever you want to call it. And now all of a sudden you have a website, which is your own media and then earned media, you know, like you said, is it could be your content pieces that you get written in whatever uh, channel you get it on. And paid media is like advertising, right? So we'll, or, or paid ads, whether it's Facebook or traditional ads that you put up in a, uh, in a magazine or anything like that. I remember in my first PR class or my first marketing class or communication class, she used to be a, a marketing um, specialist or marketing v, VP, I think it was for NBC. And she, the first thing she said was PR, you, uh, PR, um, mark, no, was it advertising you pay for and PR you pray for. Um, so she kind of like, that was the <laughs> difference between marketing and PR is that the difference is that one, you, you invest a lot of time to get the great stories and to find the great stories. And the other one, you're just paying a company to promote your product in whatever way it is, whether it's on social, whether it's on traditional ads or whatever it is. Now, when you're getting these stories and you're finding, you're crafting the angles, because even in a, in, in a digital aspect, you have to find these great stories and you need to get the, the amazing angles that will, will sell. So now in this case, when you're talking, whether it's PR, whether it's digital, whether it's content, it doesn't make a difference because they're all in this case, we're trying to get a good story. In order to get a good story, you need to have certain, and you said it already, and I asked the same question from all my clients. Not all of them have all that great you know, content that we can find, which I'm yeah. sure is a traditional problem with finding with startups and things like that because they're new in the field or they don't have a lot of great content about themselves. They have a lot about the industry. But 
what is it about the uh, ability to connect to that, or how do you, is it how do you get them to talk, talk to you about their stories that are unique? Because every person in the team is unique, and every person in that in that ecosystem is unique. How do you get them to how do you pull that out of them? Because that's for me is one of the biggest challenges. It absolutely is, and uh, what I offer for a lot of my clients is actually that content creation. Mm. So. Uh, like you say, if if they haven't had very much experience in launching media campaigns before or even writing any editorial content, even some companies are afraid to talk about themselves and confident enough to really sell their service and message and product. So as you say, they're all different. They're all at different stages. And that's why I think it's absolutely crucial to take that time to connect. And I write these or suggest content pieces for them. So I would also show my clients a lot of the similar work that I've done with similar clients to them that I think may work in their field and for their KPIs. Mm -hmm. And I introduce them and educate them about the different platforms and mediums where they can get their messages out. And that helps to create an understanding with the client about the types of content that they can delve into and what may be needed on their end to create that type of content. So what do I mean? So I would show my clients the, the differences between a media release to a feature article to an opinion piece to a, a blog piece written, uh, you know, to uh, even a piece on on senior leadership, which is a whole different type of feature article. Show them the different types and then work with them and, and delve a little bit deeper, really through personal conversation because that's where you're going to draw it out of them. Uh, sending emails or just putting things in, in requests, like you say, sometimes in our language, if there's not a lot of knowledge from the company on what's needed, doesn't get very far. So I think personal meetings are very important and having the art of that conversation to draw out of the client what you need. So uh, even taking into a, a meeting with the client a list of questions, Mm-hmm. But I find it's very important to have those uh, examples that you can show from the work that you've done for other clients, what works, and then a list of questions that prompts the client to give you the information that you need. And then once you turn that around and create their content and their information back into pieces for the media, so press releases, all those opinion pieces, all those articles for them, it's amazing to see their process of understanding, wait, you know, I just gave you that little bit of information. I didn't think it was that interesting or newsworthy, but now it's a real piece like what you showed me before. And the transformation for them, it, it educates them too. So it's not just doing the job for them and leaving, it's showing them the the whole process. And I think that's key to helping a company understand not only the impact and the value of digital and PR, but then able to, in the future, have the content and the approach and the perspective ready so they get the best results from the medium as well. Absolutely. That's, I think, part of the job as a consultant is, first of all, you're looking at it from multiple facets because you have so many different experiences in in terms of who you've worked with and who you've interacted with in terms of clients or businesses and things like that. So you have a fresh perspective and, excuse me, and the other aspect of it is that you really do get a chance to really educate and inspire these people who uh, inspire companies and brands because they're sometimes, especially with startups and entrepreneurs, they're not familiar with the ability to sell themselves. And a lot of times, especially in, at least in the startup world that I'm familiar with in Israel, and you're probably familiar through working with the companies that you've worked with in Israel, is a lot of times they're very knowledgeable about their space and their technology, but they're not good at selling it or marketing it or being able to turn it around to something that's a story. They can, they can tell you about their product from now until next year, but they can't about, about the technology, the back end, but the front end, the, the face to it is hard for them to put out. Put out. Yes, and I think that's that is key too to explaining and educating about the value of what we do. I think that's so utterly important because it empowers the client as well. It mm-hmm. shows the value of what we do through our work, but it enables them to think about their product and their service in a different way. And that's so powerful too. So I I with a lot of the work that I do, I want to focus on creating an industry that's transparent. Uh, that is honest and that gives back to the client. So they understand the purposes of PR. They understand, like I said, its value and they understand the results when they come in as well. So I don't want to keep people in the dark. And I think, you know, in, in cases gone by, there may be 
in, in years gone by in PR is some smoke and mirrors. You know, it was often that people didn't want their clients to know too much about the industry or the approach right. or what metrics meant. And I think we need that transparency. So I do focus on educating the client, helping them understand and having that transparency to say, this is a good result. This maybe isn't a great result. So this is where we can improve and tailor things. I think that's utterly important because especially with startups too, you don't just want to deliver maybe a campaign or a couple of years work. Really, I have the heart to help them understand the importance of awareness and digital and media and brand for the lifetime of their company. I think that's invaluable to empower and help them. Absolutely. So it, it seems like besides just giving the producing, pro, pro, giving the you know producing the content and producing the pieces that you are, you're actually doing something a little bit more than that because some businesses and especially startups are you know they're they're working on a very tight budget and they're always questioning which which line item on their budget is mm. important is valuable and all of a sudden it's not just about the the you know we'll call it the straight finance or the straight value that you can say is okay my marketing efforts i put invested x and i got yielded y and all of a sudden you're doing talking about awareness which is a hard metric to we'll call yeah. it to, to uh to track or to uh, to quantify you're talking about educating them which is clearly a a very difficult metric to say here's you know education is worth something obviously and i'm not saying it's not but educating is a we'll call it a softer value. You're talking about empowering them. We're talking about creating new brand content, which the brand content will be used and they can be reused and and regenerated and repurposed in many ways. But these are things that are not necessarily the traditional business, you know, invest this, you'll get that. Mm. Learn this skill, you'll get that. Work with this investor or work with this technology, you'll you'll get the the following uh, results. There's a lot of these undertones of, you know, call it softer skills, which is kind of the focus of this podcast. But in general, I've noticed that a lot of times the companies that do, are, that do well are the ones that understand that there's the, clearly the business skills, and that's important. But there's also the, the softer skills, which are just as important because those are the ones that provide the stories, that provide the, that empowerment of the, of the staff, of the strategy. What, what, what's your approach on it? I, I, I fully agree with you and I think there's a balance that's definitely needed. You can't just educate your clients and not deliver. So there's the balance of the business element too to say, okay, this is what you can expect out of this media campaign. For example, uh, you know, for a lot of my entrepreneur and startup clients, it would be between 30 and 50 media clips a month. depending on the region that we're pitching into. So you're able to say from your past experience and also uh, the the different media that you work with in that region, this is what you can expect from a campaign. So I think it's important to, to have metrics but to be transparent about them. You know, I'm not a digital expert and the, the, the information on reach and readership and viewership, you know, that I see on Facebook, this post has reached. I'm like, right. I, you know, I get confused with those metrics. Right. So what I try to do is with my clients explain what the metrics are what the metrics mean, whether it's print, online, radio, or TV coverage, what the numbers mean, what mm-hmm. they can hope to expect. So definitely education is important, but it's the delivery on that final product. And actually that's where our value as consultants and experts in the field lies because you want to educate and you want to inform, but then you also want to deliver, which is the job that only you can do, which is what you're being hired for. But I think it's, it's so important to bring clients along that journey because, as I said, I feel like a lot of people are in the dark or there's a misunderstanding about the value of what we do. And I think it's important both sides. You need to have that focus and that time to talk them through it and then to show them how you can successfully deliver a campaign and why it's successful for them. Absolutely. And I think that education piece and the... So you, you've educated them, you've created, you've given them some rough estimates of KPIs, at least at the beginning. Obviously, as things develop, they're looking towards, you know, whether it's... Uh, numbers of media clips, number of mentions, uh, opportunities, whether it's in-person, interviews, Mm. quotes, whatever it is, which are great. And now let's ask a question, and and let me ask you a question this way, is when when they're looking to provide, I have this challenge working with uh, certain of some of my clients, is when you're trying to create a some sort of, we'll call it a dollar value for some of the things that you do. Obviously, awareness is important and things like that. Are there some certain like 
we'll call it uh, formulas for creating some sort of dollar value for an article in a big magazine, a leading magazine versus a smaller magazine. Are there formulas that a PR professional like yourself, a branding professional that might be able to say, is, here are some basic understanding of what the value of these articles are? Because sometimes, you know, you spend a lot of money trying to get the article out there. But the, the, there's a there's a dollar value that has to be assigned to it. Is there a way to is, is there some sort of formula that you can you know I might not be able to give me to me offhand, but maybe you can say is the basic rough estimate is the following. Yeah, well, I I think in certainly with the media monitoring uh, that I've completed myself and different firms that I've worked for. So there's specialist businesses that focus only on media monitoring, for example. So they, mm-hmm. they literally uh, analyze every piece of media and the size. So for example, you get a print uh, piece in a newspaper, a feature mm-hmm. article, they would literally examine and analyze the size of the article, the readership, and then estimate a dollar value that you could say that this piece is worth based mm. on, yeah, the length of the, the article, the history of the newspaper and its readership overall and where it's placed in terms of a geographical market. So beyond just a formula that someone would try and create as an estimate, there are specifics and analytics out there. They may be old school, but, again, I think that's very important with PR because it's, it is more traditional. It's not like seeing an online article and saying, okay, this is the estimated audience and reach that you can expect online, which is harder to quantify because if you see media kits for online newspapers or magazines, they're mm-hmm. very high. So you could be reaching over a million people, over 50 million people through one uh, medium because that's the estimated reach that that medium has per day in terms of readership and clicks and, and overall. It's harder to quantify that um, specifically to your article that's sitting online. So I try to steer away from just using estimate formulas and I try as much as I can, depending on what the client wants, again, because it can be a higher investment for them if they want more of an analysis and detailed reports and feedback on the exact value, like I said, the measurements and the size. It depends right. on the size of the client. Because if they're a bigger client, yes, they, they want that information in a very detailed way. Um, but I try to steer away, as I said, from providing overestimates or estimates in general because I think that diminishes the transparency that we can have. So I try to be exact mm-hmm. and that information in an exact way. I try not to overemphasize, like I said, or overestimate because um, I feel like in some ways it's not accurate and because it is, you know, uh, a, a medium where you're getting a specific result, there are specific analytics. It just depends on how many of those analytics you want. So it's not, it's not like an airy, airy, fairy type of, you know, right. estimate of reach. There are specific answers out there, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Every industry has specifics. And the question is how well you can deliver the data and how well you can deliver the specifics so that the, the client uh, understands that information so that they see that the the investment of time, effort, resources is worth uh, worth both for for both sides of the of the relationship. Exactly. Now, now when you're trying to uh, create angles of stories, I know that this is a big issue for us. Is we we at least in the digital spheres we use da- we use data. We use data because we say as people these articles work, these articles don't. This content works. This high, this uh, headline does. This headline doesn't. Whatever it is, and we're able to really find good data because the digital, you know, technology allows us to to pull out this data very quickly and easily. Are there ways for you to say is how do we take the data or how do we take these successes that are whether the data points, whether it's uh, number of of signups for a startup, whether it's number of products sold. Are there ways to collect this data and then use it and turn it back in in a PR perspective that you could be like, these are we need this data. We need this would drive stories forward in a better way. Yes, definitely. There's definitely the data side, but I think there's also the experience side, mm. as you mentioned. So for a lot of clients, it's not just saying this is what I want in a KPI in a uh, quantifiable sense. So there's mm-hmm. quantity and then there's quality. So a lot of the clients I work with say, these are the types of articles I want to see about my business in a mm-hmm. very simple way. So I would show them past examples. For, for example, if it's an entrepreneurial business client, these are the feature articles. These are the radio interviews that this client has participated in. These are the, the types of media that we'll be pitching to and the kinds of results that you can expect. So not just the data metric, mm-hmm. uh, but showing them literally what it looks like on paper or online. And 
And because there's an emotive side to PR, because it's not just data-driven, it's also about the organic experience of the reader, the ability for the client to communicate to their customer or their key audience and achieve those uh, quantifiable and quality pieces of, of their KPIs. So it's about the experience as well as the data. So I look at the emotional side of things and I show um, what those pieces could look like. And that excites clients because some of them want a big focus on radio, some to be very plainly speaking, want a, a greater emphasis and awareness and a boost on their television media. So it's not just about the metrics. It's also right. about what the client wants to see um, and then the discussion about whether that is actually the right approach for the client, what they can expect to receive back from this heightened awareness. Because PR too, it's not like you send a press release and you'll get X amount of leads from that press release because it's different to that paid and that uh, even earned digital media focus. Mm-hmm. It's more about raising awareness, building the reputation of a brand and a company over time. So it's more emotive in that sense. So there's a balance that's needed. And and people need to know that PR is a long-term investment. I talk about it more so than a short-term burst of uh, media and organic approach for a certain outcome. For example, a book launch, you want to sell uh, 5,000, 10,000 books within a few months. Well, PR will be a great arm of that strategy, but you won't be able to necessarily connect your PR efforts directly to the number of books sold because you'll need more strategies within that arm. Because PR is not just about selling something and just about achieving one data-driven metric, if that makes sense, it's Mm -hmm. about building the public relation of your brand so how you relate to your public's your overall public reputation and that takes a lot of time it's also about a long-term investment absolutely and that's and i think part of that is also with both in pr and in digital part of it a big part of it is it's it's a long-term investment you won't see you will see success if you spend a lot of money obviously right off the right off the right out of the gate but even so the the relationship with the customers the relationship with the journalists and the, and the media is not just something that's going to happen in the first day when you launch a press release or when you launch a campaign. Things will take time and there are certain components that do take much more than just a, a quick press release to get out there. Now, when you start, when, you're, when your startups are beyond this phase of just getting their press releases out and getting their campaigns out and all of a sudden they have customers and they have people that are giving feedback about their product, about their solution about their whatever the case may be whatever their product is do you work with them in terms of listening to their the, the feedback to be able to then turn it back into something that's a, a, a valuable story and turning back into something that's just and listening to actually their customers as opposed to just saying this is what we want exactly and that's what you said uh, you mentioned earlier looking along uh and being flexible if you've got a six-month or a 12-month commitment with a client, and even even shorter than that if they want a a shorter campaign. I, in a sense, in my PR planning, however long the campaign is with the client, like I said, take a year. Take a year-long contract. I still work month to month because things change at any moment. So you might have customer feedback. You might have a media uh, proactive statement opportunity or a reactive opportunity that you need to respond to. You can have a PR crisis in that time frame. So you need to be flexible in changing your approach, your messaging, your statements, and your plan at any time. So definitely customer feedback comes into that, discussing that with the client, whether they want to overemphasize a, a, an area that customers have pointed out to them, whether it might uh, delve into that realm of challenge or crisis PR and they need to make a more solid or strong response in the media sector to address a, a problem that they might be, be facing. All of that comes into play. So it's very flexible. Um, and I think that's the power of PR too because it's not just a set agenda of advertising, for example. It's also about being able to respond organically and in the moment to anything that might pop up. But again, along that whole spectrum of the campaign, I'm always asking for more information. I'm saying send me more than you think that I'll need because feedback, for example, helps me reframe positioning on a media release that we could be planning in a month's time because you want to uh, appeal to that audience or put in a new message or tailor 
the trajectory you've been going on. So definitely always being flexible and always being able and available to talk to the client about those different methods of feedback or changes that could be occurring. And do you find that the clients, I know that this is your profession and I'm not challenging you, but do you find that the clients are responsive, responsive to this, this feedback and listening to what the customers, because I've, I, in my experience, many times the clients are, they want the more, they want more customers. Obviously they want more money. They want more, <clears throat> excuse me, growth. But at some point when the client, when they start seeing what customers are saying and when the product kind of evolves to a point where it's almost its own little bubble and the company is you know sitting in, in one place and the customers are all over the world and people are saying things, I found that the, sometimes the customer's feedback is not necessarily integrated or baked into the conversation uh, of what future opportunities, whether it's PR, whether it's marketing, whether it's content, whatever it is. Have you found that to be a challenge? Yeah. And I think there's a mix. So sometimes the client may not want to respond to any of that feedback, as you say, or sometimes they don't know how to deal with it, which is why I say that it's great to get, you know, a download of that information for an expert in, in our field where we can look at it, analyze it and say, okay, this is my recommendation based on the feedback I've seen, based on what you're experiencing in these different regions, what your customers are saying. These are the common themes. This is what they want to see more of. And here's my solution to help you achieve that. So sometimes they're not sure how to respond to that feedback. And definitely if there's an overwhelming theme or they're receiving the same types of comments and feedback from customers, as I said, in different areas, uh, I would recommend that they address it. But I think it's our job to analyze that in many cases for them, just in our sector, obviously not in a business sales sense, but in the way that we, we move forward and communicate. Because too, you don't want to be a company or lead a business just to uh, just to advertise themselves and just to set their own agenda and just to push out their own messages. I think the day and age we're in is it's about that give and take. So companies should be listening to customers and therefore their communications, their social media, their digital should also reflect the response they get from their customers strategically as well. Absolutely. And I, I would say is the one point that you just mentioned about how a customer, you know, clients or customers, sorry, companies should be working with taking the feedback is that if they're not taking their feedback or they're not integrating back into their product or back into their content or in some way, then the company's success in the business side it will actually impact the the you know this soft we'll, we'll call it the the customer feedback which is very important and it's, it's not necessarily a core line item business item from a traditional perspective but taking that if not using that information and not using that content and that feedback in a way that can tighten and shorten the relationship between the customer and the product, so the, the customer will just say, well, forget it. I'll find another product, another solution that offers me a better relationship and a better opportunity to, 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 give, to give to you to, for my money. In other words, they don't, they don't necessarily want to just buy your product. They also want to know that there's a relationship, there's someone listening. Exactly. And as you said, that word relationship. So yeah. companies need to be more real too. They yes. need to connect with their customers they need to be more real in their their media and their PR, not just like a, a bland company promoting messages all the time, as I said, on like a routine and a schedule right. and people know that they're being advertised to and feel like all the time they're being sold to. Brands need to have personality. Companies need to, to be more real and connect in that way. And as you said, I think we're seeing, um, particularly in retail, but across a lot of industries, customers want to partner with brands or buy from companies that they feel there's a connection with, there's a relationship with, and that they like, know, and trust. So that's so key. And that's where I think something like organic PR really plays in because you're able to tell more stories. You're able to uh, show sides of the business that you may not be able to do through advertising. And you're able to generate that organic media. So, for example, you have a newspaper or an online um, magazine talking about your company that maybe you haven't generated or pitched because you're of interest right. and because, yeah, they want to generate that coverage for you. And then people trust that coverage because there's newspapers talking about you where you haven't necessarily paid to get them to talk about you. So there must be a reason for them right. to do that, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Now, I'm gonna, I, I like to ask this question as a way to kind of put all what we just talked about, which is kind of like more generic, general kind of opportunities, except for the beginning where we spoke about your smart water bottles. Are there any clients that you said to yourself, I just enjoy working from top down. I'm, I'm sure there are all of them, but one, com- one client that just like off the top of your head that you say is 
wow, this this client was just from the start to to where you know to the relationship we have now. Whether it's we've finished the relationship or we're still working, and you're just saying is they got it, they 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 get it, and they're doing it correctly with my effort. After even after working together, they, they just it just worked amazingly, or it was inspiring to you because. It, it just brought all your your passion and in your industry of PR, media. It just brought it all together. Yeah, there would be two main ones. So, the, well, apart from the equal one that you mentioned. Right. Uh, in Australia, I've worked with many, many startups and entrepreneurs. There was a business client I worked with. So she did business coaching, networking, connections, and she just uh, was such a pleasure to work with. We would talk almost every day. But the, wow. the different types of coverage we got for her in her sphere in the Australian market were inspiring to me and she loved it and she was consistently passionate and, and enthusiastic about it. Um, and also, so on a, a more broader global scale, so I work with all sizes of businesses, mm-hmm. uh, would be the UICC. So that's the Union for International Cancer Control. Wow. So they're based in Geneva, but they do media everywhere. Obviously, they're, they're worldwide. And I uh, partner with them for a, a World Cancer Congress that's coming up. Again, a totally different... Uh, sphere, a totally different set of messages and services and and types of media we wanted to promote. But again, a company that is an absolute pleasure to work with. They've got a great mission. They respond extremely well. And we have partnered over many years in in different facets. So two very different companies, but two very rewarding clients to work with as well. And that's what makes it exciting, Mordecai. I think you'd agree because you get to work across a, a great sphere and work with different types of industries as well. Absolutely. It's, it's, that's what makes it for me. People always, in my experience, people have asked me here, at least in Israel and abroad as well, abroad when working with clients, they say, don't you feel like you should just work in one niche? Just, you know, take whatever niche you want. It doesn't make a difference. Take one and stick to it. And I say, you know what? I enjoy that being, being able to look at the different aspects of different industries and different uh, components of different verticals, whatever it is. And just saying is the messaging is important. Your stories are important and being able to stay on my, keeps it on, keeps me on my toes. If I kept on, I felt at least for me, and you obviously say the same thing is if you, if you put yourself into too much of a box, you almost be, it almost becomes too, too, too template you know, too template in some way. So it, for me, at least I like that being able to look at different clients, different aspects. Obviously you are strong, stronger in, in your case, it's health, it's startups, it's entrepreneurs, it's tourism, travel, health, and things like that. But you're still finding within that there are so many different components of it that it keeps you fresh and keeps you on your toes. And I think that's important for the industry too to understand is that the, the components are the same. So you can be working with clients across a range of industries, but the, right. the formats for executing a PR campaign locally and internationally are the same. So why can't you work a- across a number of spheres? As- absolutely. That's my argument absolutely. too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's part of the, uh, uh, that's part of the challenge is people, uh, you don't, you, you run the, you run this, this challenge of being able to use the same approach, the same guidelines, the same skills across different industries without being, but without turning it into some sort of a template. But at the same time, you want to offer a fresh, you know, vibrant, relevant content or vi- vibrant approach that doesn't show that you're being too, uh, too stuck in your ways. You, you want to make sure that you're you're always ba- you're balancing, and that's a it's a tough balance. It's never it's not easy, but there's that 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 balance is 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 the skill. And that's the the being able to use that. Now, I'm going to ask I think two or three more questions. I hope I have your time still. Um, okay. So. Um, <laughs> One of my one of my questions is: You've worked with some great um, companies around the world, and you and you've mentioned some really great successes. Like a a coach, a, a life coach, or a skills coach, or a business coach is a, di- a very different component, a different approach to to PR and to media versus your, like you said, the UICC, which is a much larger mission driven. When when you were sp- speaking and engaged, and I I, I I I listened for a little bit of it, your your lecture. When you were speaking at Engage Prague, which I thought was a uh, really unbelievable, I'm not like, I don't get paid to do this, but I think one of the best professional conferences I've ever been to is because of the level of people that were there, the interest, the diversity of ability to terms of t- in terms of content that they were offering, this, the workshops before, the, everything was just top level to me. When you were approaching it there, you were mentioning about merging traditional and digital content. What would you? What was like the the three points that the three key points that you were mentioning to the these the, these the people there the attendees there are 
professionals in the digital sphere. What were you? What highlights were you mentioning in terms of traditional, so that they can say, "Is wow, it's not only about digital content." I think a lot of what we talked about. So yeah, my my workshop is all about merging traditional and new media mm -hmm. in an age of globalization. So we mm -hmm. focused a lot on the fact that a lot of the messages they put out for their companies. Uh, the, most people there were representing companies uh, will be cross cross cultured. Will will reach a, a number of cultures. I guess mm -hmm. they'll be cross cultural. So they'll cross across different media markets and different geographical locations. In that sense, that they're globalized. So it was talking about the value of traditional media. Uh, again, for many of them, because of the age we're living in, Mordecai, you and I aren't young anymore. You know, this new generation that's... Um, watch yourself, watch yourself. Well, just me. Okay, I'll okay. my... <laughs> You know, they're growing up with just really understanding in the majority, the digital sphere. So even educating them all the way back to what traditional media looks like and how it pairs in with digital media while we're seeing this trend and this culture of the entire industry go more global. So helping them refine their messages in both formats and, and on both platforms so that if their messages cross markets and cross into different geographical areas, that they're still relevant for their customers and their consumers and their audiences. So we talked about a whole range of things. I don't know if I can narrow it down to mm. a three or three point because there was so much discussion about this about how you merge the two and as we've we've talked about earlier you know not just siding with one which would be digital or just relying on traditional PR but merging the two and the importance of merging the two especially because the world is becoming more global and stories are you know breaking news is so accessible in mm -hmm. a digital sense straight away so how do you cut through that with a campaign and an approach that involves both platforms. So that was the real focus. And as I said, there was just so much uh, uh, conversation about it because it's a very hot topic at the moment. Absolutely. It's a, it's a very hot topic and it, it, it's, it never seems to stop about the conversation because of the, the, the change of the back and forth between traditional and, and digital always is something that people are still, like you said, I don't like to call myself old, but we're, we're definitely getting older. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the fact is that, you, you know, we're starting to become the people who are the, you know, we're the leaders of the, of the, of the next generation of, of, of content, PR, marketing, digital, whatever it is. And we need to start showing the conversation and saying is what we've learned from our experiences and now saying is even though digital is moving forward and people are obviously preferring digital, there is still room for traditional, for newspapers, for magazines, for radio, for whatever is, it just may be the way that it's delivered or where it's disseminated is different. But at the end of the day, the conversation, the, 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 there is room for the industry. It's not going to be, the industry doesn't die. Um, exactly. Exactly. And why why they should be and why and how they can work together. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so here's my question for you. When you are working with a, a, a company, a startup, and these, and these startups are sitting at the helm of, you know, something really great, obviously, because every startup believes that they're the best. And you're sitting in your office in, in Greece or you go to Australia or whatever it is. Do you find that sometimes the client is challenged or finds it hard to bridge the gap in, in ability to connect with you because you're abroad. Meaning it, the, my question really, I guess would be boiled down to is outsourcing it to someone who's not based locally versus working with someone who's international. So a lot of what I do in short for these types of companies in that situation is offer them a service in an area that they can't necessarily reach. So, for example, in Slovenia with the uh, water bottle we were talking about, they're a Slovenian company but they wanted a global campaign in PR and my networks for their specialty were based in the UK and Australia. So, mm -hmm. so for them it was a great benefit because I personally am based in Europe, so same time zone, very right. close proximity that we we live near each other but I'm able to execute a PR campaign in the UK in Australia which are further away because of those media networks and contacts right. as opposed to a company reaching out to to another organization or PR company in Australia or the UK not really knowing much about them not necessarily being able to relate to them because they're out of that that European sphere they're a completely different cultural and communicative mindset um, and, and I think that's more challenging for companies, finding uh, 
reputable companies that they can work with in other markets is much harder. So being able to be based in Europe, for example, uh, and work with companies even in Israel, across Europe, but executing markets in English-speaking, executing campaigns, I should say, in those English-speaking markets, it's more of a benefit to them because you live locally and close, but you've got those contacts and networks and you're able to execute in in regions where you don't live and I don't believe anymore when I first moved to Greece it was only a year ago I actually did a radio show from Greece that was aired in Australia wow and people would yeah we were confused or surprised but there's no barriers there's no uh there's no real conflict anymore I don't think you necessarily geographically have to live in the place where you're pitching media or you're hosting the radio show you can still be relevant you can still push out the right messages you can still see the same results if you're willing to do the work if you know the culture and if you have the network contacts so I challenge that view by what I do Absolutely, and that actually gives a, that actually speaks very much to what we spoke just recently before that, right before my question about the issue of you know the digital age. There's still room for radio. You're living abroad. You're sending your you're giving your providing co- content, radio content to a to an international to another country. You're you're obviously people are listening to it. So you're taking the con- You're living in a space where there is still room for radio. You're still creating digital content, so it's being distributed in a digital platform because people are probably listening to it in some sort of digital device, whether it's phone, computer, tablet, whatever it is. But you're still you're not in Australia or you're not in the local market. You're providing the content from somewhere else. You're delivering it back to them. It gets uploaded onto their server, and so it, it does create that global market, that global <clears throat> globalization, which you like to call. And I think that really shows that the need there still is a need for a brand to work in the traditional quote unquote, you know, radio, news, print, yes. those kind of thing. And that, I think that's, that's amazing. I think that really shows and highlights the importance of these kind of the merger between PR and uh, marketing and digital marketing. Now, my last question I always like to ask for uh, people is besides working on your, on your day-to-day work with, with companies and working with clients and whatever sphere they're working on and being that entrepreneur, because everyone has it, there's, what are the things that you're doing besides just your traditional work uh, that really get you going? You get you out, get, get get you out in the morning to say, "Is I love do these side projects, side hustles, whatever you want to call it." And say, "I love these things." My goodness, I'm very bad at having hobbies, Mordecai. I'm very Uh-oh. bad at having side Uh-oh. projects. Well, part of the, part of the problem is that part of the problem is that uh, entrepreneurs, you know, the blend, the merging of work and personal is always overlapping. So, of course, there is that yeah. challenge. But are there any things that you say is like, well, I'm taking on reading new books, I'm writing more content, I'm writing, I don't know, radio show, I don't know, or anything that you're saying is like, I'm picking these new things. People said they started doing, I don't know, re- some, one person I know said that they're going to be reading more books or starting a book club so that they can encourage people to read more uh, in the entrepreneurial sense. Anything? I, I like, um, I like all, all those, all of the above, you know, <laughs> and always learning and always, you know, listening to books, reading books. I would say that probably my biggest investment aside from the work that I do for clients is offering commentary in the industry. So it's still mm. work focused and work related, but yeah. it's a very important part of my business. It's a very Absolutely. important part of educating the industry. So I write commentary pieces at least once a week wow. and they're published not just on my own LinkedIn and, and right. social media. Website. They're published by uh, PR Week UK, Umbrella in Australia, Greek Reporter. So right. in, in all these different regions, because I want to also challenge the industries we've talked about and offer commentary on the industry. I think that's right. really important. I think it's it. also important because it positions you as a brand, as an expert in the field, not in first of all in international market because you're speaking to Greece, to Australia, to England, whatever it is, but also to the fact that you're not only doing the work, you're also saying is I'm looking at it from a not only as someone who's a seasoned professional, I'm also taking it from the perspective of I have something to say that's beyond just doing the work and my successes, which are working with these clients, but rather here's a certain level of professionalism and here are certain things that we have to start thinking about now and based on whatever event or something that happened in the industry. And now I have to say is here's my comments. Here's my, I, I actually think that it's, what once a week is great. I, I haven't gotten to that point yet, but work, what, working at that level where you're able to offer some sort of valuable content and valuable opinion beyond just, you know, the work that you do, which is important oh. and va- very important. But I, I think it's that it, it, for professional perspective, perspective, no matter what profession it's, it's critical. 
So now, last question. I think I, I think this is the last question. Even though I, I think you know, <laughs> I could keep on talking to you forever because um, I really enjoy this conversation between PR and new media. I love that back and forth. Got the chat. The, yes. the, the, the I love that. I love that. I think it's something that really a lot of people need to start thinking about if they haven't thought about it already. What else would you say if you could say is if you could give someone a tip to say is if I had to make a pitch to the media, uh, someone who's a start working in the entrepreneurial age and the, you know is a startup person, is an entrepreneur looking to create more content for themselves, whether it's for themselves as a brand, a personal brand, a, a company, uh, a venture. Can you say what things would you say is I need these pieces of give me two or three pointers that you could say is that I could that someone who's working in the field looking to try to get them, their name out there a little bit more. These are things, if you want to pitch to the media, these are the things that they would always, we're always looking for. Someone who's in the, you're a PR person, you know what sells. What would you get, to, what would you tell them to say is always think about the, these three things to make sure your story is successful in, in a pitch. Absolutely. And this is really simple for companies to execute, especially if it's their first time uh, relating to or tackling the media. The first one is timeliness. So tying your message or your company to uh, timely news articles or opportunities in the news or even certain days. So, for example, with a health and lifestyle client, we look at different health and lifestyle days across the global calendar that they may be able to relate into. So, for the the, uh, the hydration company, the water bottle, they took an environmental stance within that mm-hmm. campaign. So, we launched a, a piece of media on World Environment Day, for example. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, you know, foundational days or different timely events that are happening worldwide that you can tie your message into that mm. the media are always looking for. So mm. that's one, timeliness. The second is uh, a little harder for businesses, but it's really important, so newsworthiness. So mm. why is the message that you want to communicate different and interesting for the journalist and for your readers? So a lot of startups are obviously aware of their competitors and aware of the market that their product and service is launching into. So why is their product different? Why is it newsworthy and what do they have that's unique and different to say about their product or service? So looking for specifically what is unique and what is different. And then the third piece of advice I would give is just to get out there. I have a very big focus with my clients on infiltration, on getting started, on making traction, on pitching stories. Uh, And for me, it's a consistent thing. So always looking for different opportunities. But if you're scared to start, just give it a go. Write an opinion piece, write a media release. You're going to learn a lot from just starting to get out there and starting to share your content and getting feedback from journalists as well. So those are three pieces of feedback, which are really easy, I think. You know, if you're a company that isn't able to um, seek external help at this stage, that's a great starting point. Absolutely. And I think if they're working, whether they're working in an accelerator or some sort of co-working space or whatever it is, they can pitch the story to colleagues and other people around them just to see if the story is interesting enough. And they they can use the people that they're around them just to get the ball started. And then at least, like you said, just get out there and get get them the ability, the learning, the art of being able to pitch a story correctly will, will get them to think like that. It, it, just getting that to that point is already uh, a big step in the right direction for, especially for startups and entrepreneurs. Exactly. And just taking the action, just getting, yeah, doing it and seeing what happens along the way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that, that, but that's part of it. That's part of learning that, that, that non part of the art of being an entrepreneur and being someone who works in the field of uh, ventures and, and startups is knowing that some of it is trial and error, some of it is cl- clear traditional business skills, and some of it is just knowing yourself and knowing how to work and improve yourself in a way that's not just a traditional, you know, linear, we'll call it uh, business mindset, but rather learning to improve yourself and improve the staff to tell them to uh, and improve your product in a way that is, is a little bit softer, a little bit less uh, hard-lined in terms of what the traditional uh, steps are so that way uh, traditional business steps are so that way you're always thinking about things in a story perspective in, in mm. those kind of things so i think it's i think it's great i think that's exactly the right the right the, those nice three simple tips in terms of timeliness newsworthiness and just being able to just say is we just got to start doing it somewhere whatever it is and there's always going to be a starting point and once you get the starting point you can always improve it exactly and you can always look for tips so i give like i said a lot of commentary but tips for free on Mm -hmm. on my website because i want to again empower business so there's all sorts of tips whether it's from me or someone else you know that you can look to quick reads five minute reads that will really Mm -hmm. help you 
in your first start out to PR and media. So that's worthwhile researching and looking into as well. Well, okay. So thank you very much, Katie, because I don't. Want, if I keep on asking questions, I'm going to be here for two hours. And True, I, I'm I, enjoying I, the conversation. I, I, I love it too. I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation, and I look forward to the next time where we can talk to it in person, not just uh, via you know some sort of Zoom session or whatever it is. But first of all, I want to say thank you so much because really, for me, someone who comes from the PR and the communication backgrounds, I love this conversation of PR, media, digital, where where they two blend, how they should work together. And they should work together. So I love this conversation. So thank you so much. Um, are there any last minute things that you should say? One last, one last thing. What's the last thing you want to offer people or say to people in terms of PR and traditional media that would be, you know, your sign off, your swan song for right now? My sign off is it's essential. It's essential that businesses and brands and companies invest in PR and media. Absolutely essential. You want to tell the story of your brand, you want a long-term approach, and you want to build a great reputation. So if you don't have anything in place, do it today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Katie. I really, really appreciate it. And stay safe in, in Greece during this unseasonable and rare tour, whatever it is. Uh, I hope that uh, I hope your everything's going okay. I hope that your apartment is safe. And we, I look forward to speaking to you and hearing more about it. And I hope that we'll be able to see each other again in Prague next year in 2019. Um, if not, we'll find some other opportunities. And I, I really do appreciate anything, uh, everything you gave, uh, gave me and the audience because I think it's, it's great content. So thank you so much. Excellent. And no worries. It was such a pleasure coming on your podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. I, I knew that you I knew a good Australian always ends with no worries. So that's good. So, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much um, and all the best. Excellent. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Be sure to sign up for the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, the next time you're doing business in the digital economy, make sure to empathize it.